Happy hump day, y'all. I am so bummed to inform you that the audio on this particular podcast is less than perfect. And um, I don't know what went wrong, but it will definitely be fixed by the next time I record a new podcast. But I just want to encourage you to listen all the way through because I do believe that this was a good episode and that you will have some valuable takeaways from it. But I just wanted to hop on here real quick and let y'all know what was up. It goes in and out of being echoey and I'm just not sure what I did wrong, but it's a learning process. So I hope you enjoy this and I hope you're having a beautiful Wednesday so far. Um, And I will see you next week on Event Unplugged, but enjoy this episode. Do not turn this off. Enjoy the episode moving forward. Bye y'all. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Event Unplugged. like to start the episode with my woman crush wednesday and this woman crush wednesday is long overdue um she passed away earlier this month and it was kind of awesome because i i think it was in december or something some way back when i um maybe it was in january i think it was oprah i follow oprah oprah's book club on instagram and they had posted some books, and among the books was this one. Um, Cicely Tyson wrote an autobiography about herself. And this month, earlier this month, I think it was, I'm, dates are kind of a, 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 a dates are kind of um, a bliss to me right now. But uh, the book just arrived in the mail. I was like, what did I order? And I opened it up, and it was there. And so, I was super excited um, to get her book. And then the crazy thing is, a few days after I got it, I I saw the news that she had passed away. And um, it, that moment, like to realize that she was able to get this book out before she passed away. And it was kind of like her last gift to us in the world. was really inspiring for myself. Um, She, oh man, let me look and see how old she was really quick. Um, She was 96 years old when she passed away. And so when you think about it, I'm not sure how long she has been working on this book. And to be honest with you, I have not started reading it yet. I do plan to start reading it soon, but um, just to think like, it took her, let's say, 95 years to, like, share this book with the world. Um, I don't know. It just speaks volumes to me because I have a book or two in me that I would like to write and get out. And to see that she got it out at, like, the last possible second was just an encouragement to my heart as a future author. I'm claiming it. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Um, anyway, in sharing about Cicely Tyson, I wanted to read, um, I think I'm going to read in, I'll read like, you know, what her publisher wrote about her and then I'll kind of read what she wrote in her own words. But 
Cicely Tyson is one of the most respected talents in American theater and film history. From her starring role on, Bar on Broadway in The Blacks to the Emmy-nominated film A Lesson Before Dying, her work has garnered critical acclaim for more than 60 years. She has received two Emmys for the audio autobiography of Miss Pit Jane Pittman and won the Tony Award for Best Actress for the trip to Bountiful. A capstone achievement came in 2018 when she became the first Black woman to receive an honorary Oscar. And now these are her own words. And this is from directly from the book um, that I got. This is a quote from Cicely Tyson. Just as I am is my truth. It is me, plain and unvarnished, with the glitter and garland set aside. In these pages, I am indeed Cicely, the actress who has been blessed to grace the stage and screen for six decades. Yet, I am also the church girl who once rarely spoke a word. I am the teenager who sought solace in the verses of the old hymn for which this book is named. I am a daughter and a mother, a sister and a friend. I am an observer of human nature and the dreamer of audacious dreams. I am a woman who has hurt as immeasurably as I have loved, a child of God, divinely guided by his hand. And here, in my ninth decade, I am a woman who, at long last, has something meaningful to say. Oh, she even said it in her ninth decade. Um, so definitely, like, she got to her 90s when she decided, I'm going to write this book. I'm going to tell my story because my story is worth sharing and she spent six decades sharing other people's stories in such a beautiful way um which kind of takes me into the topic for today's podcast and in seeing a lot of the posts after the news of Cicely's death a lot of people were talking about how um about what she represented for them and seeing her on screen. Cicely Tyson wasn't like your, and I'm not trying to get into colorism or anything like that, but Cicely Tyson represented for so many black little girls and even black men and just black people and children in general. Um, she represented beauty in a way that it wasn't depicted. She was one of the first African-American women to be on screen, who we got to see like in a positive light, who got to um, portray roles that were just so powerful. And for me, I believe they represented the strong black woman that, so that black women can kind of stere be stereotyped. That is an ex, is a stereotypical expectation of black women, if that makes sense. Um, I think a lot of us feel like we are required to be like a strong black woman and uh yeah <laughs> i think strength in any human being whether you're a man or woman or black or not black um is an admirable quality i also think it can look different in each of us on different occasions and with different life circumstances because that's just how it is and so anyway, today I wanted to talk about how important representation is. Um, oh man, I wish I could remember. Oh, I think it was Angela Davis who actually 
Angela Davis wrote the foreword for um for this book, which I'm sorry, not Angela Davis, Viola Davis. <laughs> I read the foreword. That's how far I've gotten in this book. I'm all I'm reading. Keep your love one for our How Married Are You book club right now. But after that is over, I do want to get into this book. But Viola Davis read. Viola Davis wrote the foreword for this book. And when she spoke about Cicely Tyson, she spoke about how seeing Cicely Tyson empowered her to believe that she could become an actor. And I kind of wanted to speak to my own life experience. And I'm not sure if I shared this experience on here or not. And if I did, you know, you get to hear it again because it's relevant to the topic for today. But as long as I could remember, I wanted to be a teacher. Um, the further along I got in my educational experience as a child, I think it was by the time I was in high school, I was like, okay, I want to be a math teacher and I want to be the ASB director um, of whatever school that I'm teaching. I wanted to teach high school level. And my mom shared this story. So when I got tenured, um, my friends and family, my husband and friends and family um, threw a surprise celebration for me um, to celebrate the fact that I had become tenured. Like, you know, that's a big deal in teacher world. And when my mom got an opportunity to speak at this particular celebration, she shared how when I was younger, um, probably elementary school age, I told her, that I couldn't become a teacher, maybe middle school, I don't know. But I told her, I was like, mom, I can't be a teacher. And she asked me why, and I was like, because I, there are no black teachers. <laughs> there are no black teachers. And even at such a young age, I realized that like representation was important. I wasn't seeing anyone who looked like me in a role that I wanted to eventually fulfill or become. And therefore I started to believe that it was not possible. And if I didn't have the mom or the dad that I had, if I didn't have the parents that I had, I probably would have let that belief um, seep into my spirit. And I would probably start to pursue other dreams or other ambitions. But my parents, you know, they basically encouraged me to pursue what I wanted to pursue. And eventually, as I got older, I did start to see Black teachers, but I still never experienced a Black teacher. And um, I think as I got older, that was even more of a driving point for me. Um, when I did actually become a teacher, I'm not going to front y'all. I wasn't necessarily harder on my Black students but my expectations were definitely um, up there. And I wasn't shy about letting them know that. And I was there, I was 100% present for all of my students, but I did have a heart for um, my black students. I wanted them to see that, like when I first started teaching, I was 23 years old. I was 23 years old. I had a college degree. I was married. I was in the career that I set out to pursue. And 
I I wasn't shy about like letting that be known because I realized that a lot of young black people don't always have that example. And I realized that I was that representation for them. And in some ways I was empowering them to believe more about where they could go. Not to say that I had reached the top where I was like the bar, but at least they had that much. And it often did become a conversation with some of my African-American students. And um, I think it was beautiful. I think it was beautiful for me to be able to be that representation. Um, I know that when I was young, uh, I think about like my media uh, role models and (laughs) I chuckle at it now. But Whitney Houston was like, she was the one person who like, I had a poster in my room of Whitney Houston. And now that I'm older and I know a lot more about her life, I'm like, oh shoot, man. Like she didn't necessarily have it together like I thought she did. But to me, she was a representation of a beautiful Christian black woman who used her voice to, um, to glorify the Lord and also to like, you know, make her secular music. I mostly listen to the uh, the Preacher's Wife album, which now that I'm older too, that whole movie, <laughs> it's kind of like, what? The angel, is like she was falling in love for an angel and she was married to the preacher and it was a whole mess. Can someone please explain to me why that movie is good? I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. And so... Uh, I think about Whitney Houston's example in my life and then like what I know about her now, right? And I don't fault her for her drug addiction or any of those things because I know that we all stumble. We all have things that we're dealing with in life. Um, Yeah, and that's it. I was going to say but, but there is no but. Yeah, (laughs) and that's it. And so... um, in thinking about Cicely Tyson, I really did start to think about how representation matters. And I was reflecting on my experience and wanting to become a teacher. And I was reflecting on like, you know, how much I admired Whitney Houston. Um, and then all the things I found out about her life later on. I don't discount what she represented for me in my childhood because of what she was dealing with. Um, Yeah, I don't discount that at all. And anyway, all of that also started to get me thinking about like the importance of the Bible and our walk with Christ and how the examples of the people in the Bible speak life into our lives as followers of Christ now. Um, My first example that I want to bring up when I'm thinking about like biblical representation is the story of Job. And y'all, I am not like afraid to read. And sometimes people are able to articulate things in a way that is better than mine. So for this particular example, again, I am referring to my She Reads Truth Bible how they have these little devotionals within them. And I want to read this part because I feel like the author of this particular segment in the 
and um, devotional, whatever, does a really good job of articulating what I want to articulate. And I'll be back after I read this. And it's not an ad, so don't skip over it. <laughs> she says, or he, I don't know. I'm assuming it's a woman because it's a woman's company. When I read Job's story of tremendous grief, I can feel the air whistle through my own familiar voice. In the night, suffering comes to us, stealing what we once claimed as our own, joy, control, love, possessions, people. Suffering stole all of this. Suffering stole all of these things. I'm sorry. Suffering stole all of those things from Job, following a rarely recorded conversation between God and Satan. When Satan threatened to strike down everything Job owned, God's response was a little confusing. Very well, the Lord told Satan, everything he owns is in your power. However, do not lay a hand on Job himself. The passage does not say that God was overruled or overthrown by Satan. He is always in complete control of what's happening. So what made God allow Job's suffering? Like most of us in our own trials, Job never knew why, but his words at the end of chapter one give us something to consider. Gripped with grief, Job falls to the ground in worship, proclaiming, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God's glory has the final word. Again, God's glory has the final word. When we compare Job to Christ, the ultimate sufferer, we find a, a similar outcome. God allows Christ to be crucified, but just as Jesus identifies with and understands our suffering, he also provides an end to it, proclaiming, it is finished. God's glory has the final word. Years later, the, and she gave an example about um, her teeth at the beginning, but she goes, years later, I no longer get, have gaping holes in my mouth from the tooth fairy's extractions. Suffering, too, is merely an interim chapter, a gap that will be filled fully and finally in glory. Praise the name of the Lord. I read that because we have the example of Job experiencing grief and loss and probably one of the most um, awful ways that we can imagine, right? And we realize that God told Satan like, hey, bro, like you can go ahead and take everything away from him, but don't touch Job himself. And for me, this is a representation that even when things are going awry in our lives, God still has his hand in it. God glory gets the final word we can still be standing in the palm of God's hand while everything else is falling out he holds us and so for me the story of Job is a rep is a representation of um of hope of endurance of faith, um, of God's provision in the midst of loss. You know what I mean? And so 
I'm grateful for the story of Job. I also think of Mary when I think about representation in the Bible. Um, as a mother, her story resonates with me in a way that, um, actually, I don't know that, <laughs> I don't know if resonates is the right word. Like giving birth to a child and knowing that at some point he is going to be called to die. I mean, I know, like, I know my children. I know that at some point they will die. I do know this. Um, but I don't know, just having foresight on how and why is a little different. The fact that he would be crucified is something. And so again, I'm going to read from my Bible a little snippet of what someone wrote for a devotional about Mary. I don't know about birthing babies, but I can tell you about making noodles. It began as a fun skill to impress party guests and my own and my one day husband. But as I ducked into the stone kitchen in the center of Florence, Italy, I soon realized pasta making is not an idle pastime, but a sacred trust. I tied back my hair and took a deep breath. While the instructor demonstrated at the front of the kitchen, I did my best to follow along. Finally, I sliced off one string of dough from my kneaded flour water mixture, holding it up proud and tired. Again, I was instructed. I resumed kneading and rolling and slicing, holding up my second piece with a little less pride. <laughs> hold, it up to, hold it up to the first, I was told. Placing the pieces in line for comparison revealed two straggly opposites. My brow furrowed. Fine-tuning the individual pasta pieces was a disciplined craft and considered each new and considering each new piece in light of the original became a satisfying and enlightening exercise. As I worked the dough with my hands that day, it became clear that this was the Italian way, savoring over striving, savoring over striving. I think Mary of Nazareth would have understood. Though she had plenty of chances to act from her flesh, Mary opted to serve the Lord by savoring her collection of things she knew to be true. By savoring her collection of things that she knew to be true. When Jesus was born, others jumped up and to share the good news. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. Direct quote from Luke chapter 2 verse 19. Later, instead of flying off the handle when she finds her son in the temple after three days of searching, Mary, quote, kept all these things in her heart. Again, direct quote from Luke 2, verse 51. If I were Mary, I'd have asked for a hall pass on suffering. But scripture tells us that being the favored mother of Jesus came instead with an extra heap of heartache. In fact, the old cleric Simeon prophesied that a sword would pierce her soul because of him. Mary would suffer greatly as a mother of Jesus. Mary was the only person scripture recorded as present at both Jesus' birth and crucifixion. Did treasuring it all mean passively standing by? No. I believe busy, I'm sorry. I believe Mary was busy fiercely clinging to the treasured promised promises of God, holding up each unfolding circumstance to what she knew to be true, as if carefully crafting an elegant Italian dish. Mary was actively fighting for the truth with the truth, 
she held up the events of her life against the truth of God, savoring his promises over her striving. She held up the events of her life against the truth of God, savoring his promises over her striving. As servants of the Lord, let's remember to savor the truth of Jesus, always holding up our unfolding circumstances to what God's word tells us is true. What I love about this right here is that it's it's something that I'm literally experiencing right now. Like lately I've been kind of like, um, it's not that life is going horrible, but there's just this one thing, this one issue in my life that just seems to like just... When you think it's kind of gone, it comes back up in probably an uglier way than before. (laughs) And it can be pretty discouraging and it could be pretty divisive and hope like can just kind of like be etched away to where it's like none left. But the encouragement that I feel like the Lord has been giving me is this right here is to hold on to savor his promises to be confident that in in the circumstances that i'm experiencing in the tough times that i'm experiencing that he has made this thing to be and i'm not ready to talk about it obviously which is why i'm kind of speaking code but it's like he has made this thing to be. And so because of that, because I'm confident in that 100%, I don't have to be like, um, I don't have to let the circumstances of the moment or whatever, like tear me down or get me down or make me depressed. Like I can still find joy in it all. And last week I talked about cultivating joy with Brandy, but I really think that like a part of it, we talked about gratitude being one of the ways that, or being a key way in order to cultivate joy in your life. But I also think as a believer, um, just truly being aware of God's promises in our lives is a true um, cultivator of joy. Plain and simply put, it's a cultivator of joy when you think about. And I was thinking about this last night. I I wanted to start a conversation with Glenn, but um, we were just doing different things. But uh, I was like, who have I experienced God to be? I was list. Oh, that's what it was. I was listening to that one song called Waymaker. And it goes, there's a portion in the song that goes, Waymaker. Ah, uh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to mess up this song. Hold on, y'all. Hold on. Um, hold on. It goes, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. I was listening to those words, y'all. And I was like, Yes, and it just keeps reading, repeating. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, 
that is who you are. And I just kept listening to it and listening to it. And I was like, Yvette, who do you know God to be? Who have you experienced God to be? And I even think it's okay for us. Like, I think that's why the scripture is so important because even in my own experience of who God is, and I have experienced God to be a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper, and a light in the darkness. But I have also read about who God has been for other people in different seasons of their life. And I talk about seasons all the time, I feel like. <laughs> even my therapist in our last session, um, she said she had listened to something. I think it was a podcast or something. She was like, you know, I thought about you because they were talking about seasons. And she shared with me what they had said. But um, yeah, like a season that I have experienced already, someone else may not have experienced and they will experience it in the future. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just think that that is why scripture is so powerful and I'm so grateful for God's word. And I think that we do, we do have to savor his promises over our striving. And I think so much of the time, and I can speak from personal experience and personal conviction, so much of the time we try to strive for something instead of savoring things for what they are and how God is working in the midst of what is currently happening. And so that's just my encouragement with those two um, examples in the Bible. But there is so much more representation. And when I talk about how representation matters, I think it's important for us to dive into scripture. Yes, representation matters on screens and in books. When you want to see people that look like you, you want to um, be empowered by their experiences and dreaming um further like honestly i don't want to be in my 90s writing a book about my life or about whatever god has put on my heart to write about i want to do it sooner than that and um i'm grateful for sicily i'm grateful that she you know like sometimes i think we get to a point in our lives where we're like man we're running out of time. We're running out of time. Oh my gosh, I'm like 35 and I don't have a child yet. I can't have a child. Please, people are having children in their 40s. Don't let that stop you. Look for more examples of that. Don't let people tell you that your clock is running out. No, if you want a child, you talk to God about it. You look at these stories of women in the Bible who have been old and old and old <laughs> having children. It is possible for you. And maybe it doesn't look like you having a child from your womb. Maybe it looks like you adopting. Talk to God about it. But the thing is, he is a way maker. He is a promise keeper. If he put a desire for you to have a child in your heart, then please believe that he can and will make it happen. Just take it to him. I was reading. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I have this. I just bought this. Um, it's a Jesus Calling uh, devotional. And let me tell you that it has been a tremendous blessing to my spirit. 
I have been trying to find a way to like just spend a moment with the Lord every day. And this, like, I don't know if Lord was talking, the author of it is Sarah Young. I don't know if the Lord was talking to Sarah about me and what I needed on each of the days of the year. But I tell y'all, when I say that these things have been on time, it has been on time. Um, but there was one that I feel like, uh, is this it? Yes. You are feeling weighed down by a plethora of problems, both big and small. They seem to require more and more of your attention, but you must not give in to those demands. When the difficulties in your life feel as if they're closing in on you, break free by spending quality time with me. You need to remember who I am in all my power and glory. Then humbly bring me your prayers and petitions. Your problems will pale when you view them in the light of my presence. You can learn to be joyful in me, your savior, even in the midst of adverse circumstances. Rely on me your strength. I make your feet like the feet of a deer, enabling you to go on the heights. And then it has some scriptures and I'm going to read the scriptures. Exodus 3:14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am sent me to you. And then Psalm 63, 2. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. And then Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19 says, Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet, I circled the word yet, yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the, de like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. Um, and I just share that to say God, like, I mean, to say to y'all that God is so good. He is just so good. And he is faithful to complete the work that he has begun in each and every one of him. And if you just hold on to that promise, if you just dive, if we just hold on to that promise, if we just dive into the representation of people in the Bible who God has shown up for time after time. If we remind ourselves through these stories of who God is, a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who he is. And I don't know if you are a believer or not. <laughs> listening to this podcast and I you know what by this point if this is your first episode then you know what this is all about Yvette Henry is not shy about her love for the Lord I am not shy about how good he has been in my life and how he continues to show up day after day after day and how I have to be fully allowing myself to be aware of his presence even when I can't feel it. Does that scripture, is that same song that says, even when I don't feel it, you're working. <laughs> Y'all gonna get me on here singing. 
Um, let me see. Yes, it says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. And it keeps repeating it. That song, y'all. If you are have not listened to that song, you need to go listen to it. It's such a good one. But even when you can't see it, when you can't feel it, when you don't think it, your God is working. My God is working. And so if you can be encouraged in this moment, be encouraged because it is what it is. And I've been thinking about this and I'm just going to share it with y'all. I'm working on this thing right now. I'm currently taking a break from social media. I do actually have to log in um, next week to do an IG live that I completely forgot about. But um, I've been thinking about like my life on social media. Officially, like I'm almost out of 50,000 followers on Instagram. So technically I am an influencer and I've been like following other influencers who are kind of along the same lines of like the kind of life that I live, mother, wife, all the things. And um, lately I've been doing this. You guys know I struggle with comparison or I've shared that on the podcast. Maybe you don't know. I don't know. Um, I struggle with comparison. And so I'm looking at you know, oh my goodness, all these like official photo shoots and um, just different entrepreneurial pursuits and all kinds of things. And I'm like, I don't think I'm doing this right. I don't think I'm made up, made up, made, uh, like, I don't think I'm cut out for this life. And so I was like, and it's not even just like the influencers that I'm following. Well, I'm also following like celebrities and <clears throat> just different things. And I realized that I'm really starting to like, start to think about my platform and what it is that I am going to quote unquote influence. And I've started working on this, like, okay, that what, like, you got to be grounded. I have like, my pastor growing up used to say, if you fall, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Right. And I don't want to be that person. Like I want to have a stall, a solid foundation of who I am and whose I am. Um, and so moving forward, I just want to be confident in the space that I take up on social media. And I was been starting to think about, okay, Yvette, what is it that you desire to influence? Like, what is it that you desire to represent? What does your representation represent for other people? And sometimes like, I can't control what I represent for someone. Like I can try to influence quote unquote, um, whatever. But I may represent something else for whomever engages with the content that I decide to share with the world. But what I want to influence is authenticity and being a wife, a mother, and a woman of God. I want to represent joy in the growing pains of life. Does that make sense? I am not someone who has it all together. By no means necessary. In fact, each day I discover probably something new. And I'm like, girl, you got issues. You got issues. But I want, but what I want to represent is like an awareness <laughs> of my issues and a striving for growth, you know? But I also want to savor God's promises um, for my life and for the life of my husband and the life of my children 
and of even our extended family, but really like here on the home front and the core, I just want to savor his promises. And I want to be the best version of myself for these five people that I got living here. And so, um, yeah, I think like what I want to influence, if I could represent something for anyone out there, I want to represent authenticity in being a wife and being a mom and in being a woman of God, all while hopefully representing joy in the midst of the growing pains. And I think for me too, I need to be clear about the fact that like, joy doesn't always have to look like a smile on my face and a peppy like, um, a peppy sound to my voice. Joy can look like me showing up, <laughs> just showing up to the day, to the challenge at hand. You know what I mean? And so that's where I'm at, y'all. I don't know. I don't know. Representation matters. And I think it's important that we are all conscientious of who we're allowing to be a representation in our life. And so if there is someone on social media, if there's someone in your life that you need to mute, that you need to hide posts or hide person or distance yourself, really, um, then I would encourage you to do that. Do that because you need to be able to dream. You need to be able to, um, to dream, to see what is possible, to see the ways that God is paving for other people, to be able to celebrate other people's successes, even when you're like, man, I really wish that was happening in my life. No, I am genuinely working on that. Like, Whenever something's happening for someone that I'm like, man, I really want to be doing that too. Like, y'all, I don't know if you know, but I want to write a book. <laughs> I will. I will write a book. But when I see someone publishing a book, I'm like, <laughs> yes, good for you. If you did it, I can do it. You know, if you did it, that's another person that did it. I'm going to do it too. Yeah. Um, the other thing is too, we got to be, we got to be um, honest with ourselves too and See, like, are you even putting in the work? Like, Yvette, girl, are you putting in the work to make that book happen? And the truth is, I had started putting in the work months ago, and then I stopped. And so if I'm not doing the work, then it ain't going to happen. So I think, too, guys, don't be afraid to pursue the things that are on your heart. And like that um, devotional that I read said, like, God is with you. He is fully aware of, um, where is it at? He is fully, it says, you need to remember who I am in all my power and glory. Then humbly bring me your prayers and petitions. Hello. He told you to do it. I mean, these are the words of Sarah Young, but she's basing it off scripture, y'all. <sighs> I'm done. <laughs> This is an awkward way to end the podcast, but that's it. I just want y'all to know that representation matters. And so it's really important to be mindful of who you're allowing to be a representation in your life and to really start to mute and hide and socially distance from those people who 
those people or even those things that are just not edifying you anymore. And I think the biggest takeaway for me is that um, I need to be savoring his promises. I need to be in God's word, making myself even more aware of all that he has for me. Um, Yeah, I love that word savoring. I love it. Anyways, y'all, I <laughs> it's like 6.28 a.m. And I'm supposed to be meeting my neighbor for a walk in two minutes. So at this point, I am going to sign off as usual. I am so, so grateful that you all have decided to allow me into your eardrums um, this uh, morning, afternoon, whenever you're listening to it, while you're washing dishes, while you're on your walk, while you're driving in your morning commute or your evening commute, whatever it is, wherever you are, Thank you so much for listening. Um, If you are listening and you have not watched this podcast to see my beautiful face, I'm just kidding. Um, You are able to do that by becoming an How Married Are You slash Event Unplugged Patreon patron. And the link is in the show notes below. All right, y'all. You have a beautiful day. Happy hump day. I will see you next Wednesday on Event Unplugged.